generosity. Um, about two weeks ago, I started this little mini-series on generosity, and I talked about um, our time, but this morning, I wanted to talk about money. <laughs> um, I don't know how many kids of the 80s or 90s uh, enjoyed watching DuckTales, and, and, and like that bit at the start where he like dived in, and obviously, you know, it was a cartoon, so he didn't like hurt himself when he landed, but <laughs> he would go, wee, and start something, and there was that cool sort of theme song, DuckTales, woo and so, so I guess my first um, introduction to sort of thinking about money and wealth as a kid was through DuckTales. And I remember thinking as a kid, man, that'd be cool, you know, like to have your own massive big treasure chest of stuff you could dive in and swim around in. And that was, that was my sort of in first introduction to money. Now, money in and of itself is not, um, it's, it's kind of a, in a sense, money is a, is a form of, it's currency, it's a way of exchange. We use something to, on behalf of something, I'll give you this, and in exchange you'll give me these goods and services. And obviously our ancestors, and still many parts of the world today, just use barter. So I'll give you this fish, and you'll give me those potatoes, or something in exchange. So money, in a sense, is just, a, in some respects, a neutral thing. It's a tool we use. And in itself, it doesn't actually have any value, is it? Like, a, other than maybe the, a, a bit of paper, or even worse, our, most of our money's digital now, so it's just, uh, it's just um, numbers on a screen that jump between banks, and it's just a, basically a promise thing like that works between the banks and the governments, how that all holds together. But money in of itself doesn't actually have a lot of inherent value, a bit like Bitcoin. But the problem with money is, as, as the Apostle Paul said, it's the love of money. So it's not money in of itself. Money is, in a sense, kind of a neutral thing, but it's the love of money, he says, is the root of all kinds of evil. And he says, some people eager for money have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, my, in my own personal experience with finance and money, I seem to do one or two things. The first one is this. If I have my head in the sand... And I'm like, sweet ass, spin, 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 babe, it's all good, it's all good, let's just go for it, you know. I don't want to know what's in the account, let's just go, you know, until it's all run out. And then you're like, how the heck are we going to pull all this together? And then I, I do like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing because I flip to this other thing, which is like this. <laughs> this is actually meant to be a, a gif, and it was meant to be him breathing in and out of the bag, but for some reason the PowerPoint wouldn't work. Um, basically Sheldon there freaking out. So I seem to have these two extremes. One, I've got my head in the sand, like, oh, yeah, oh, sweet as, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then the other hand, I'm freaking out, like, oh, how are we going to pay this bill? Oh, we're going to get new tires for the car, and oh, the kids have got this, and they need that. And, 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 and so I have this kind of personality around money, which I'm getting better with, but it's been these one or two extremes that I've had in my life. And I guess I wanted to just speak on this today because I'm also aware that, hey, like I said last week, we're not, we're not le um, it's not business as usual with the world and everything that's going on at the moment. There's a lot of stress out there. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of things going on. And on top of that, we've got Christmas coming. And, you know, Christmas is a wonderful time of year, but it can also be quite a stressful time, can't it, for a lot of families and for a lot of parents and fathers out there, isn't it? Because it's, there's a lot of financial pressure comes on. And uh, I feel like it's like this um, massive hit that comes at this time of year. So you have 
Christmas, and, and, and it's really expensive, and then you're sort of, um, January sort of maybe a bit of a holiday or something, so you're spending a lot of money there, and then the kids go back to school, and you've got to get, like, new uniforms and books and laptops. I love you, Johnny and Hannah. Like, I really appreciate doing things for you, but I'm just, I'm just <laughs> sharing that, like, there's, it's like this, like, massive hit, and it's like, why can't they just stretch this out during the year? Like, could we put Christmas, like, like in August or something, like, and could we, like, you know, have, you know, some sort of like stretching out of the, of the pain because it's just like boom, boom, boom. Amy's looking at me funny, so I'll carry on. Um, but basically, yeah, I, I am aware that this can be sometimes a very stressful time for people around money. And for me, um, I don't know where your mind goes, but sometimes I, 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 I do this like sort of fantasize about like having lots of money like that would take away all my problems. And so when I was younger, I really loved the, the Back to the Future film. And I was always very annoyed with Doc because he was like that goody-goody said to Marty, no, you, you can't take that sports almanac and go back and gamble. And then obviously the movie shows that Biff, this evil character, bets all this money and creates this evil kind of um, 1985 because of all his greed and stuff. But I remember thinking, man, getting a hold of that sports almanac, how cool would that be, you know, like putting a whole lot of money on France beating the All Blacks in the 1990 semi-final. You're sitting there with a smiling face like, I know what's going to happen, I know what's going to happen. Um, so like my mind sometimes goes into that kind of thing. And, and then also, um, I, I don't do lotto, but I have sort of wondered, like, because last night I walked into Foursquare and there was a lady ordering a lotto ticket. And I was kind of like thinking, that thought just came into my mind like, what if I just bought one, like, and, and I won? Like, how cool would that be? And then I was thinking, and then I was also starting to think, I was like, okay, so this is probably not a good look for a pastor. So what I'll do is I'll, 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 I'll share most of the money with the church, you know? Like, hey, guys, I've got this brand new building, like, you know, and we've got all these uh, whistles and bells and cool things, and I'll keep, like, maybe, you know, half of that $38 million to myself, and, 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 but I'll bless the kingdom with all the rest of it, and, and surely God will be happy with that. Um, I don't know about any of you, you guys probably never have those kind of thoughts or, or daydreams about, about what it would be like. I, I, I used to like that catchphrase I think Lotto has, I don't know if they still have it, like imagined or something. They had this kind of imagine, kind of like, like imagine your life with this, this, everything you could do. So this morning I just wanted to go to Matthew 6, uh, verse 25, uh, sorry, Matthew 6, um, Verse 19 to 24. And this is Jesus talking in the Sermon of the Mount, and he's talking to um, his disciples in the crowd. And he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for he will hate one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, and there's a there's a word that's used there called mammon that many of you may have heard, and I think there's just an interesting thing that Jesus is bringing up here 
where he says that you cannot serve both God and money. And what he's really saying is, 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 he's not saying that you can't have a job, and he's not saying that you can't earn money, and that you can't um, have a house and buy a car and go on holidays and do all sorts of things. What he's saying is you can't devote yourself to money and also devote yourself to God. You can't worship money and worship God. You have a divided heart, right? And we, we look at like the Old Testament and, and we look at, I guess, maybe, maybe sort of other cultures around the world sometimes. How could people worship idols? Like how could they worship these statues and stuff? Like how silly is that? Like how, you know, we know better than that. And, you know, like we had this scene from the, the Old Testament and Moses, um, he, he, he goes away for just a little bit of time and, and all, it all, all falls apart. And, uh, and, and the people harass Aaron, who's his brother, he's the high priest, and he, he sort of gives in to the crowd because he needs to appease them sort of thing. And so he gathers all their jewelry together and they, and they melt it down and they create this golden calf. And then they just have this kind of wild party sort of worshipping around the golden calf. And Moses comes back from this amazing time with the Lord and he's like, what the heck has happened here? And it's this great in the text because it's like, it's so funny when I read it. It's like Aaron does a kind of, well, we, we, we just put this stuff in the fire and this thing just came out. Like, it's like this great kind of, <laughs> and this golden calf was there and we just started worshipping it, you know, like, what can I do? My hands are tied. I was just trying to help the people. And it's an interesting thing there because it's this worship of, of, of an idol, of, of something. And we see that throughout the Old Testament that there's a common theme of the Israelites that God is after their heart. He's after all of their life. And he doesn't want to share his devotion with anyone else. And so we see this consistently, the people of Israel, that the prophets and the kings, the people who spoke to them, they kept on having a bit of both. So what they were doing, they're hedging their bets. So they're like, because that's, that's what you did in the ancient cultures. You kind of like, oh, well, I need, I need to have good um, weather, so I'll pray to this God because he deals with the, the weather, and I'm, I'm going to sea, and I want to have clear seas, so I'll, I'll pray to that God because he'll deal with that. Or I'm going to war, so I'm going to pray to the God of war to help me. And so what the people of Israel would do is they'd have a bit of half and half. They'd hedge their bets. Like, they'd serve Yahweh, but they'd also be like, oh, okay, I'll serve Baal, or I'll serve Molech, or I'll, I'll serve um, Jupiter, or, or Apollo. So they, they would kind of hedge their bets so that they, you know, sort of like, oh, heck, you know, you know, hopefully it'll all work out with everything. And it's this constant theme around idolatry and a divided heart that comes through the Old Testament. And of course, like, we sort of look at that and think, oh, man, we don't do that at all in Western culture. You know, we're, we're faithful, faithful to Jesus. We don't have a divided heart. But look at, look at Western culture. <laughs> this is from one of those Black Friday sales in America. Like, look at the intensity that's there. These people, if you've watched any of these clips, people, like, wait at the, the gates, like, to go into the, to the apartment stores. Like, they're crowding outside, and then they just, like, swarm in like zombies, grabbing all these TVs that are on special and stuff and fighting over things. And it's like, it's this form of idolatry that's sort of going on, isn't it? Like, this is this, this, this wanting possessions and wanting things and going after things. I quite recently, um, Johnny watches this show called Mr. Beast on YouTube, 
and sometimes I watch these little things along with him. And this guy here gives away all this money. I don't know how he gets all this money from things. But one of the clips I watched is this one here. And these guys had to, there's a million bucks there. And they've all got their hands on it. And they're, they're, they've got to stay there until the last guy, you know, leaves his hand off and then he wins sort of thing. And these guys did this for like over 48 hours. <laughs> Like, I watched this little clip, and they're like, you know, they're almost like collapsing. And the guy, one of the guys in the end just sort of collapses and leaves his hand off, and the other guy wins a million dollars. And you should have seen the devastation on the guy's face who, who lost. Like, he was just so heartbroken, so, like, I've lost this million dollars. He got like 30000 just as like some sort of consolation prize, but he was just so heartbroken. And I was like, when I looked at that picture, I was just kind of like, like he's he's kind of half asleep there, but it's almost like it's like almost like they're worshiping, eh? Like it's kind of like, oh, this this money, I need this money. Like they're, they're surrounding this altar, and of course, this is the famous bull, which is in New York City. And I was reading about the history of this. It was actually created by this artist, um, and he this is after 1987. If, if anyone remembers, there was a massive stock market crash called Black Monday. In 1987, it had a big effect on New Zealand as well. Lots of job losses and the economy was tanked all over the world. Big recession that the world went into. And this guy, um, obviously inspired by that, created this bull and, and plopped it right outside the New York Stock Exchange as a kind of symbolic symbol. Now, if you're familiar with share markets or with stocks, what the bull represents is a, is a um, really thriving um, stock markets, when shares are going good, where the economy's cranking, where things are just roaring sort of thing. And when a market goes into recession or, or even worse, a depression, it goes into what they call a bear market, where it hibernates, where it pulls back. And I just thought that's so interesting thinking about the golden calf, eh? Like, here's our, here's our financial system. Here's, here's for the world, the New York Stock Exchange, or that, it's like the center of the financial world, and you've got this like idol there kind of of, of, of money, of, of, of this thing. And it made me think about this quote from um, Archbishop William Templeton. And he said this, he said, your religion is what you do with your solitude. And Tim Keller, um, reflecting on that, said, he basically, what he's saying is, William Temple was saying, where does your mind go? What does your mind habitually go to? What do you most like to think about? What do you most enjoy daydreaming about? What gives you the most comfort to fantasize about? And he says, that's your God. Your religion is what you do with your solitude. It's a profound statement. And obviously that could be more than just money, but in this context, if you're, like the, the, the two traps that we can get into money with money, are one is, is, is greed, where we want lots of things, where we, we, we've got the hand on the million bucks or we're, we, we're fantasizing about lotto and, and how our life can tr be transformed through all this money, or we can get into the anxiety trap and where we're worrying about money, where it's stressing us out, where it, it just becomes a slight security idol, like, I, I need this money so that I can feel secure, so that I, that I know that I'm okay, that I'm self-sufficient. And, and, and both of those can be like idolatry because they can consume our thought life, eh? And then it becomes like our God. And it's like we have this divided heart. And, and God, you know, 
this is the big thing that Jesus keeps hammering on about is our hearts, eh? I've spoken this about this recently with this, um, about the soil that Jesus talked about, like having that open soil for God to speak to us, to put his word into us, to not be choked up with weeds and rocks and other things, having a divided heart. Because we look at outward appearances, but, the Lord, but God looks at the heart. And I just wanted to um, basically contrast two stories in the Gospels now to just kind of s- to show um, a difference with heart. And the first one is in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. If you want to turn there. So this is the story of the, um, sometimes he's known as the rich young man in Mark, and in the other Gospels he's called the rich young ruler. And he's a, he's a guy who's come up to Jesus and, 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 and asked him, uh, um, you know, he's come to him to say these things. He says, and as he was setting on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And I love this line, and Jesus looking at him, loved him. Like Jesus looked into this guy's heart. He could see this guy was a seeker, that this guy wanted, you know, he wanted to have eternal life. He wanted, he'd been faithfully following all the law from his early life, and he, he recognized something in Jesus. And so this guy wasn't um, a phony guy. He wasn't um, someone who was just mucking around. He was a true seeker. He was coming to Jesus. And Jesus, because he can see into our hearts and see our thoughts and our, our motivations and the things, there's this moment of compassion here where Jesus says he looked at him and loved him. Like He looked right into this guy's heart and saw what was going on for him. You lack one thing, Jesus said. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions or wealth. And obviously Jesus could see in this guy's heart that yes, he was earnest. Yes, he wanted eternal life, but he could see that he had a divided heart. And Jesus was Jesus knew I need to I need to challenge him if he really wants to follow me, he really wants to be you know, part of my kingdom, that, you know, will, will you give this thing up? Will you give up this idol that you have, that you've surrounded your life with? And obviously for this young guy, it was too much. Like, they, that was too much for him to, to give up. And that's why he says he leaves disheartened because he, he doesn't want to give up that thing. He doesn't want to give all his devotion to Jesus and follow him. Like, the money meant too much to him. The possessions meant too much to him. It was, a, I mean, it's a, it's a really challenging passage. I've always wondered, like, would I be able to do the same? Have you ever wondered that too? Like, <laughs> Jesus gave you, now give up everything, sell your house, you know, sell your car, get rid of everything in your bank account, Nick, which wouldn't be a lot, but, you know, like, get, get rid of it all and then come follow me. I'd be like, yeah, I, I might get another, a second opinion on that one, Lord. <laughs> I might get another prophecy. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a few prophecies and maybe get a group and we're going to discern this and, like, see, 
maybe it's, maybe it's more like a 10 or 15% thing, I think, not a whole thing. So like, it's a really challenging passage, but I think Jesus says it like that because he knows, yeah, if he says that very thing to that person, he knows what's in his heart and he knows how, yeah, he knows he needs to challenge him about that. And now we don't know what actually happened to that guy. Maybe he came back later and you know, had a change of heart. We just don't know. It's, it's a challenge that Jesus is putting out to him and he's putting out to us. And I just really want to contrast that with another story from Luke 19, verse 1 to 10. This is Zacchaeus. He entered Jericho and passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in statue. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. This is the the Pharisees sort of talking about this whole situation. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it to them fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he, he, he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You know, in both these stories, you have an encounter with Jesus and a person. And in both these stories, they're rich. Both of them tell us that they're rich. They're both rich. One's uh, rich from being, I don't know, like a social influencer of his day or something, you know, <laughs> whatever he was doing in the first century thing. And the other guy, Zacchaeus, we know is rich because he's a tax collector and actually a very hated person in their society because of that, because he, he was working for the Roman authorities. But there's, there's a big difference in the story because what the difference is is the heart response. In the first story, Jesus confronts this guy and says, you need to give that stuff up to come follow me and be my disciple. I have to be the Lord of all your life. In the second story, Jesus sees this guy, an outcast, sitting up in a tree, I always think of kids' church when I think of this story. I don't know why. It must be like the most popular kids' church one, eh? Zacchaeus in the tree with all the songs and the pictures. Sorry, as an aside. <laughs> um, he sees him in the tree, and, and Jesus acknowledges him as a person. Like, you know, and he says, I'm going to come to your house today. You know, I'm going I'm to be with you. And just, just the fact of Jesus' generosity to this guy, his open heart to this guy, he loved him just as much as he loved that rich young ruler. There is a heart response from Zacchaeus, which Jesus didn't even need to challenge him. Because <laughs> Zacchaeus go, you know, brings him into his home, and then, and then Zacchaeus, without even Jesus saying anything, we, we read that Zacchaeus says, look, I'm going to give away half of everything I own. I'm gonna, if I've ripped anyone off, I'm going to pay them back four times over. I'm going you know, retru- you know, to make sure that they are okay if I've done that. Like, look at, look at the transformation of this guy's heart in this moment. 
he has become a generous person. And I guess this is where I'm sort of getting at as I, as I bring this message to a close this morning, is that we struggle sometimes with finances and money because we can, like I said earlier, we can have a divided heart and we can either get chasing after material things or we can get extremely worried and anxious about it. But the antidote to that worry and to that greed is generosity. Look at how Zacchaeus, without even being asked, it just flows out of him, this generosity, right? Like, he, just, he, just, he, he has received God's grace, and then he has been blessed. Like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. This guy doesn't even have to intellectually kind of understand. He's just sort of got, he's like, wow, yeah, I'm going to bless others. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I've ripped some people off. I'm gonna make sure they're okay, and I'm gonna bless them even more. Like he, the something in his heart had been transformed just with this encounter with Jesus, and then he had become a generous person. And that is the antidote to if you're worrying about possessions or, or, or desiring things. The antidote to it is generosity. It is powerful. I was um, reading this study. They did in, uh, in Switzerland, they gave these people like a, a hundred bucks for like three or four weeks and said, um, to the first group, they said, just spend it on yourself. And then the second group, they said, go and bless someone, like go and give this to someone, like um, spend this money on someone. And what they found in the research was when they studied their brains and the MRI and stuff, was that the people that gave money actually were happier they had more joy, and there was like parts of the brain around um, basically thinking of others and, and of, of, of happiness and joy that was sort of sparking in these, in these brains. And what was really cool is they actually said it, it didn't matter how, what the, the amount was. So they said even if people were giving like a little amount, but still giving, like they would have been generous, like they, they would still get that same sort of thing happening in their brain, like there was something... Of, of, of this goodness happening as we think of others, as we give out to others. And what we're doing there, and I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, we're actually being like Jesus. Like, like I said earlier, like, you know, God created us out of the generosity of his heart. We're the overflow of his blessing, this earth. I mean, it's all his, you know, like Psalm says, the earth is the Lord and the th- fullness of it. It's not like God's broke. He, he, he's got everything. Everything we have, our time, our money, all this comes from him. And then when we adopt like that heart posture like Jesus, when we start being generous and start blessing others with our finances and things, then we're actually stepping into a bit of the divine nature. We're being like Jesus. And that's, I think that's why, it, you know, when, you, when they, they looked at that study, that's why those people are feeling good, because they're stepping into something of Jesus, of being generous, of being outward focused and not selfish. And we see this example in the early church. I mean, we love Acts 2.42. You know, people love this thing, like it's great, like Pentecost, you know, the power of the Spirit, 3,000 people saved. And this is the, the early church is this rocking and rolling, and it's, it's awesome. There's signs, there's miracles, there's all sorts of things going on. But look here, it says in, in verse 45, so as well as listening to the, the, the teaching, the preaching, the breaking of bread, communion prayer, um, people were filled with awe and wonder at signs performed 
everything had in common. And then it says here, verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So there was something of the Holy Spirit and of God's heart that filled these people. They, they repented, they turned to Jesus, they entered into this new community of faith. There were miracles and all sorts of things going on. They were doing life for Jesus. And there was something that must have been stirred in their hearts as a community, be like, hey, there's some, there's some people here in need in our community. Let's bless them. I've got some extra. Let's, I'm going to bless these people. And it's, it's, it's a really cool thing because it's like the, you know, like the Holy Spirit brings that out of us, eh? He brings that generosity out of us so that we think of others, so we think of each other as a church, if we think of people in our community who've got needs. So it's not just so that we're blessed or so that we feel good, but actually to think of others and to bless others. I, I think that's a beautiful picture of what the early church was doing and what I think when we are really um, receiving the Holy Spirit and it's transforming our heart, we're becoming like Jesus. We're going to just naturally do that for each other as a church and as a community and in Palmerston North. And I just wanted to um, just finish... Just with this in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 6 to 8, um, this is the Apostle Paul. He was um, asking people to raise funds for Christians in Jerusalem. And he's saying to the Corinthian church in Corinth, he's saying, look, let's raise some money for these guys. They're, they're, they're struggling. And he says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And I love that. I mean, for me, that just encapsulates giving um, in a church context or, or out there in the kingdom or wherever you're doing it. For me, it's, I love that it's, it's a voluntary thing. Like that it's, it's something that we, we do because we want to do it. You know, like God, I love how it says that you have decided in your heart to give. Like, and, and I love how he brings that together, not reluctantly. You know, oh, I've got to do this. Oh, oh. Or, or under compulsion. Oh, because, you know, I, I was told to do it. You know, no, 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 this is, I want to do this. I get to do this. Like, I get to bless I get to be um, helping others and thinking of others and using my resources and the things that are in my hand. Like, I, I love how, how Paul pulls that together. And then just that God loves a cheerful giver. He loves it when we're, we're, we're being like him. Because <laughs> that's what he's like to us, eh? He didn't reluctantly sort of go, oh, I don't want to go to the cross and I don't want to lay down my life. Oh, I'm going to help these people out. Oh, can't they get it together? Like, oh, they're useless or anything. No, he's like, it says in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Like the joy set before him is us. He's like, I'm doing this for you guys. I'm laying down my life for you guys because I want you to have life. I want you to live an abundant life. And so when, when, we, when we have that heart posture, which is soft and which is like, Lord, I just want to bless. I just want to bless your kingdom. You know, God loves that. He loves when we're cheerful, when we do this out of a, a blessing. Because ultimately, what we do with this, including our time, is part of our worship. It's what we offer to the Lord. It's what we offer to his kingdom.
just going to ask Tui, you mind coming up? He's got a baby in his arms at the moment. <laughs> and Vic. Could we sing You're Worthy of It All? Why don't we, if you don't mind, just stand in response? I just want to provide it. Um, I realize money is one of those real trigger things that um, it's not always, you know, people don't always want to come up the front to get prayer for, um, but I can pray for you today if, if, if you're worrying about any of that sort of thing. But I also, I'd like to encourage you, it's probably a great thing to bring to your huddle group, if you're part of a huddle group. Like, if you're worrying about money, or you're, you felt a check in your spirit, like, oh, heck, man, I've really been desiring all these things that are not really God and his kingdom. Like, I, I, I've got an inordinate desire for things and possessions because I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses, I'm trying to be all these things. Like, the huddle group would be a great place to bring that, to say, hey guys, like, I'm, I'm really freaked out and worried about Christmas. I don't know how we're going to pay all the bills, and then I've got this and I've got that going on. Would you pray for me? Would you encourage me? Like, bring this stuff into the light. And if you're not part of a huddle group, why don't you do it with a few friends? I was very inspired by um, John Mark Comer. He's a pastor of a church in Bridgetown in, in, in the States, and he is part of, he has a group of guys in his church where they're actually accountable with their finances, so they, they actually sit down together and look at each other's budgets and stuff. I'd, I'd be frightened to do that myself, <laughs> just because I'm such a mess. Uh, and they have a thing, like, if you're going to spend over, like, a, a thousand bucks or something, that you'd bring it to the group and just say, like, what's this for? Like, is, is this, you know, you just being, you know, wasting a whole lot of money on yourself, or is it actually for a good purpose or for, like, a good thing for your family? And I, I just thought, that's so cool, like, you know, like, being, like, just having that accountability, just having that thing, like, our yeah, finances are so important because they have a big effect on our lives. And so I just encourage you, um, bring, bring these things into the light, you know, talk to people. Don't be carrying on to struggling or worrying about things. There's, you know, everyone would, here would love to um, pray for you and encourage you in these things. So, we're going to worship now. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I just, Lord, I just commit this to you, Father. Uh, Lord, we want to have uh, hearts that are not divided. And so, God, if we have put too much importance on on, on wealth or possessions, whether going after those things or being worried about those things, Lord, um, as your word says, we want to seek first your kingdom. And all these other things will be added to us, Lord. We don't want to be worrying about these things or chasing after these things. Lord, we want to be chasing after you. So, God, I just, I just pray that over us as a community today, Lord, that you would just lift off any worry or anxiety about finances. And, Lord, I pray that you would make us into a, a generous people, Lord. Um, Lord, we've already seen with Korimako how, how generous this church has been, Lord everything that everyone has sowed into this place, Lord, and I, I pray we will continue to do that, Lord, as we, we go forward to extend your kingdom. And I just pray your blessing over all our finances, Lord, and over all our households, especially with Christmas coming up, Father, in your precious name.